Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge. It's Fanbyte's weekly news show that rounds up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Welcome. Bonvenue. Bienvenidos. Uh, I, I've got a really good show for you today. I'm, of course, going to get you ready for the releases uh, uh, ahead of this week um, so you can get ready or get your wallet ready, get your mind ready for the stuff that you might want to play and and, and enjoy. Uh, but of course, I'm also going to get you caught up with uh, this week's headlines. And there were a lot of them. And to talk about the biggest ones, I sat down with our very own news editor, Imran Khan. So let's get to that conversation right away. My guest this week wiped the floor with the competition on this week's arcade pit over a giant bomb also stole the show on this week's nintendo voice chat over on ign i'm i'm proud to welcome home in a victory lap <laughs> news editor imran khan so the thing about the arcade pit one is the two people we were going against are two of my best friends. Sure, sure, sure. Promised to literally never let me forget it. Right. And they would actually like they joked about sending me a plaque every year if mm, they won, mm-hmm. and they would have actually done it. I believe so that. I had to win at yeah. all costs. Yeah, and you did it. So like, yeah, what a week for you! It's uh, well, yeah, it's big. Congratulations, Imran. I want you to take out your crystal ball. Because I'm going to ask you about the future. We learned a little bit about how the end of this year is going to shape up as well as the beginning of next year with some uh, fiscal reports and some projections from some companies and also some delays. I want to start with two of the big delays that were really not big surprises, but I want to talk about them anyway. Bethesda delaying Starfield and Redfall. Yeah, those are kind of the the only things Microsoft has really announced for this year. <laughs> so like they have a show in a month, so maybe they're like they fill in the back of the year with that, but those are the two big things and like Starfield was their big heavy hitter last year yeah. at E3. So uh, like that announcement with a very confident date slipping either means they weren't really ever that confident or that game is much more of a mess than we think it is. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. according to Schreier and what he was saying about what he had talked about with uh, Bethesda people last year, that they think that game would have been a cyberpunk-style disaster if it released at that time. So That's yeah, maybe, so wild. Maybe, maybe it's for the best, but there's, I feel like there's probably two factors with Starfield specifically. One is... Bethesda is not just answering to themselves anymore. Right. Now they have to, like, they can't release the same janky ass game again. They have to put some, especially if it's a centerpiece of a console 
holiday. Yeah. They can't do another Fallout 4 that is just like, oh, it's just charmingly broken. Like that doesn't, especially with where Microsoft has been with those things where a lot of games are just, when they're broken, they're broken forever. They're broken forever. Yeah, that's the big problem. Um, Yeah, I mean, but congrats to Bethesda for for being around long enough to witness another company fucking up so bad that now they're not the ones that expected to (laughs) release something buggy enough to get, you know, taken off of shelves or whatever. Yeah, Cyberpunk really changed the cal- calculus for a lot of developers. Like, yeah. the the Prince of Persia remake that recently got moved to uh, Ubisoft Montreal. When it first got delayed, the thing that people told me then was, yeah, this thing is going to, like, we were going to release this, but it's it's so bad that Cyberpunk would look good in comparison. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is at least pressuring developers to stay away from r- retail shelves if they can't get something that's at least passably good. Right? Mm. Yeah. And then for Redfall, I mean, that's an arcane joint. That's uh, that's a Harvey Smith joint. Um, they announced this at the same time that that'd be moving uh, you know, away from its release date. Um, we had not seen really anything from this. So like that's that was even less of a surprise to me. Yeah, that game was supposed to launch this year, but they they haven't shown like. Even the initial CG trailer, from what I understand, is kind of misleading because it kind of mm-hmm. pretends it's like a Left 4 Dead style game. Which yeah, that's it, how it, that's how it that's how it looks. Like it looks like a yeah. big like co op kind of thing, and apparently it's not necessarily that. Yeah, what they're actually crafting is like a Destiny style game. Yeah, with vampires, but they haven't really said or shown that yet. So I imagine that game that kind of game is taking a lot longer than they think it will. Mm. And they say push to spring twenty twenty three. We'll see. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe summer, maybe even as far as fall next year. But again, we haven't seen enough of the game to really say. Yeah. They've been like internal tests for that game as far as I know have been pretty good. So we'll we'll see when that I think thing actually like what it shapes up to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's I was not surprised it got delayed. I am a little surprised they didn't pair that delay with some footage. But again, they have a show next month. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, and and that show next month might might help us fill in the answer to this question. But you know, in in a world in an industry where I am just very used to every single major company having a tentpole project that comes out in the holiday season. Xbox's holiday 2022 is empty, like really empty right now. Do you think they fill that gap with something or are we maybe seeing a shift away with their whole approach to Game Pass and everything? Are we maybe seeing a shift away from them caring about brute software sales in the holiday season? So I don't think it was any one decision that probably led to this. It was right. probably a combination of a different like like Game Pass. I'm sure almost certainly factored in of okay, we'll have something. Yeah. The worst case scenario is they can probably throw money at some big like game mm-hmm. to put that on Game Pass as maybe an exclusive for a little while, but probably just like it's on Game Pass here and it's seventy dollars elsewhere. Yeah. Just buy it or play it here. But I think that combined with they. They didn't rush Halo got delayed, uh-huh. but the game they put out in December last year, I think was not complete. No. It was not the game they wanted to put out. No. I think that game probably needed another six months, especially when you look at like how the multiplayer rollout has been by their own admission kind of botched yep. and how like if you play the single player, there's clearly areas that should be like things that just aren't. And yeah. I don't know if those are DLC or just not done or whatever, but 
I think that game having to come out when it did, because it absolutely did have to come out last holiday without argument, that may be convincing them, like, let's just wait for these things to be done. Mm -hmm. I think that's all we can do. It also probably doesn't hurt that Sony is also similarly anemic this holiday. Like, they probably have God of War. Yeah. That is that is a game that they You don't think that's getting moved? The producer recently tweeted again that like it is coming out 2023. Okay. Sure. All right. We'll see. Uh, 2022, I should say. Okay. Uh, but because I feel like for on on April 20th he released a video which I had not I did not remember he did until this past week and then I, I watched the whole thing. He he basically was like, we will show you when we're ready. I mean, this was like this was like three weeks ago, and I'm like, this doesn't sound like a game that's close to being done, but like. I don't know. Like maybe I should just shut up and 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 let's see what happens. But yeah, anyway, keep going with your point. We're in, we're in like a weird thing now where I think Sony's realizing that the 10 12 month marketing cycle right. is just recklessly expensive. Yeah. Cuz like as an example, Nintendo marketed Metroid Dread for 4 months, like from announcement to release. And that game sold 3 million copies, which is not like insane, but for Metroid it's the best-selling Metroid yeah. game ever. So like do you need to do a year of marketing or mm. can you just do the yearly show and be like, this is what's coming out in the next couple of months here to stay to play. Yeah. Like I, I don't think they need to. And I think one of the things that probably does, when we're going to go back to Microsoft, one of the things that's probably factoring into their decision to delay those two games is Forza Motorsport, the simulation one is probably releasing this year. Yeah. I, as far as it, everyone knows that is still intended for this year. That's probably going to do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of sales and Game Pass subscriptions. So I suspect they think they could just go like, well, we have a games as a service to write it out a little bit. Presumably Halo is going to like write the ship a little bit. This or they will at least fix the problems people are having with it theoretically. So I, I, yeah, I think it's a number of different things coalescing that are letting them go. We don't want to do this, but. If we have to do that, like, yeah, maybe, maybe a valve shows up. Maybe mm. Josh Sawyer has been talking about uh, a new game for a while. Like sure. maybe that's going to happen here. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, th- but this, the, the holiday 2022 looks like a big Nintendo heavy season. So, I mean, we've got, you know, we've got summer stuff leading into Splatoon leading into Pokemon. So yeah, that's a, it's just a big, month a big, big period for exclusives for nintendo um yeah you brought up metroid dread i, I don't i don't want to totally get away from our future conversation yet but i, I did want to ask you because you, you posed a good question on twitter this past week you know now that we know that metroid dread sold three million copies and metroid prime 4 is in this unbelievable like worst kept secret holding pattern of like it's been rebooted and and re, you know like basically rebuilt from the ground up at least once it feels like more than that um and you asked is metroid prime 4 going to sell better than metroid dread and i said yes where do you fall on that given how yes this is the best metroid has ever sold but it's still not like blowing the doors off of anything yeah like it's been Less than a year for Metroid Dread, so like it's not easy to compare it to, say, Breath of the Wild. Sure. But Breath of the Wild has sold – it also broke records for the Zelda series and has sold 25 million copies Uh at this point. Uh So like it's it's difficult to – or 28 million, I should say. Uh, It's difficult to compare those directly, and obviously we shouldn't. But Prime 4 is a similar – we're – this is kind of – Vanity Project is maybe not the right word, but a project that – 
they're clearly pouring a lot of money into yeah. and maybe assuming that it's not going to make all that money back. Mm. Like it's one of those things. It's a tentpole release that is to sell systems more than it is to sell games. Mm. So like, we'll see how that ends up shaking out. I suspect it is almost guaranteed to sell better than Metroid Dread. Uh, if only based on like camera angle and genre, but <laughs> if, if it doesn't, that's alarming. And if it doesn't, it's probably cause that game is going to be like in that situation that it does not, it would probably be because that game is bad. Mm. I don't think it'll be either of those things. I think Nintendo generally knows when a project is like, especially a high budget project, isn't going to make it right. Like in terms of quality, but we'll see. It's also been a very quixotic product project in general where like you said, it's, it was made once it was, <laughs> they rebooted the development. Uh, it's now back at retro who is not the same retro. They were uh-uh. uh, when they made Metroid prime, but also they still probably are a very talented group of people who made one of the best 2d platformers of all time yeah. like a decade ago at this point. Yeah. But like it's, I would <laughs> hope it is a great game that sells well, but you never really know. We, we have no idea. It, it does not have the problem Metroid Dread has, where Metroid Dread is a game that, or a genre that has flooded the market yeah. at very cheap alternatives. Yeah. So you can get, I, th- I think, Metroid Dread is three times the price of Hollow Knight. Right. Which right. is, I love Metroid Dread. Hollow Knight's a better Hollow game. Hollow Knight's a better game. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, like, Metroid Prime. Technically the same genre, but production value matters to people. Uh-huh. So I think people will more easily swallow that $60. Also, it's probably not launching alongside a more expensive version of the Switch where you have to make the calculus of, do I want the more expensive Switch or do I want a least expensive Switch in another game? Mm. So like a Switch OLED was a Switch plus an extra copy of Metroid or whatever, uh-huh. which I think does factor into people. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see whenever whenever we finally get our hands on Metroid Prime 4 in 2027 or whatever <laughs> um, on the on the Nintendo Switch two and a half. Um, uh, let's talk about EA because they, they had some stuff come out this week. Uh, they were they had an investor relations presentation this week. They announced four uh, totally untitled games that come out in uh, Q4. That's their fiscal Q4. So that's at the beginning of 2023. Um it's it's they just called call them remake major IP partner title and sports title. Now we we think maybe and and as we got some confirmation this week of the release date, we know what that remake is now. So tell us about that. So the remake and it's weird that they did this this way because like <laughs> yeah the one so the remake is Dead Space, a game that they yeah. have announced that they have previously said targeting twenty early twenty twenty three. Uh-huh. So that's not shocking. But when they went to the financials, they're like, we're not ready to say what these games are mm. yet. So they just called it Remake. The only remake they have announced is Dead Space. Yeah. So yesterday, the day after those or two days after the quarter our quarter financials came out, they just said, Yeah, Dead Space is coming January twenty seventh, uh, twenty twenty-three, hmm. which is fair to play to them, not something I believed when they announced it earlier. Yeah. So good for them to actually do it. Uh that is that's we can cross remake off the list unless they had something else there, but uh-huh. it would be weird they didn't label Dead Space then. Yeah. Uh the major IP is almost certainly uh Jedi Fallen Order, or as Jeff Grubb has said, is called Jedi Survivor now. Wow. Uh which they've announced before. 
they haven't said the title, so I guess that's a reason they've, yeah, they could have just said Star Wars game. Yep. Yeah. But that's almost certainly probably going to hit early 2023. 20, uh, partner title is probably an EA Partners game. Mm. Like, uh, it's a probably. I, I've heard they have renewed vigor for that initiative recently because of how well It Takes Two did. It Takes Two was a critical and sales success for them to the point where I think certainly that Hades Light's next game, they're pouring a ton of money into. Yeah. But what all the other, it's a rising tide lifted all boats here where other EA partner titles have had their budgets increased, have had their like, they've had more help and attention and all that stuff. So whatever this partner title is, maybe it's not going to like flop the way EA partner titles generally do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, yeah. And then sports, we think that might be a UFC game. That's that. I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was a good guess on your part. Um, because, uh, you know, their, their sports games typically come out at the beginning of seasons and uh, UFC doesn't have a season, so we can kind of come out any time. But since you're such a big sports fan, Imran, I'm going <laughs> to switch gears for a second. Um, it, also with EA, though, uh, this mm-hmm. week uh, they finally announced a split officially between them and FIFA, their partner for their licensed soccer games for the past, I don't know, however many years, 20 years, something like that. Um and one, uh, FIFA released some really, really fucking funny uh, take like uh, uh, statements it was about this. Trumpian, yeah, like, it was really. It funny. literally seemed like a Trump tweet in a <laughs> press release form. <laughs> it's they said something like, um, "Well, FIFA is going to make games with another partner, and they're going to be the best games." And there's like, I think a use of all caps in a couple places. Yes. Um, it's really wild. I should definitely go find the, the statement because it's really funny. Um, the EA is going to switch the FIFA title to EA Sports FC, which is almost certainly just going to get shortened colloquially to FC because no one's going to f- fucking say EA Sports <laughs> every time. Um, what do you think this does to to this franchise? Because it's one of the biggest selling franchises in the world. Yeah, I my initial read on it was like, oh, I guess EA and FIFA are like fighting over licensing prices and stuff like that. Oh yeah. But like reading more into it, man, FIFA made just like a fucking stupid decision here. (laughs) Like I can't, but like, this is one of the dumbest decisions I've seen a major organization do. FIFA seems to believe that the, the sales of FIFA games are because of the FIFA name, right? Which, I think does not bear out. I think they're going to give that. Their plan is to license that to whoever wants it, basically. And I think if they try to give that to Konami or somebody and like people buy that game as FIFA 2023 or whatever. Right. It's they're going to see like, oh, this game isn't nearly as good. This is not what I remember. This does not have FIFA Ultimate Team. Or if it does, they have a shittier version of it. Mm -hmm. I suspect there'll be a year transition where the FIFA game will sell well and the EAFC game will not. And then the next year, it'll probably just bring back closer into balance because I think people are going to be initially confused by the box, but I think people look at the EA sports logo. If they didn't, they wouldn't emblazon on on top of every like Madden and PGA tour and all that stuff. And they know, Oh, this is the game I like. This is the game I have played before. And I know it's not a, uh, like shitty knockoff game like the fact that nba uh god i can't nba 2k22 or Uh 2k20 or whatever got 
like fucking pulled from shelves because they thought the game was so bad it would damage the EA Sports oh, brand. Oh, e- yeah, the yeah. NBA Live. Yeah, 20, yeah. 20 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like they they clearly know that brand is important to people. Yes. That it means something to somebody buying the game. Yes. What, like there's always going to be like the, the uninformed consumer that buys just off the title. Yep. But I think people are going to quickly kind of key in and clue in or – they will – we're in a different – we're in a different world than we were even 10 years ago where yeah. someone will go, hey, why is this FIFA game so bad? And then someone will answer them <laughs> on Facebook or Reddit or social media yeah. and just say, yeah, it's because EA used to run it and now they don't. This is the game you actually want. The the only thing that I think is, is interesting and like I don't think it can happen fast enough for it to make a difference in the market. But if FIFA decided to call Konami and say, hey, we saw that you made eFootball and it was really fucking bad, but you all used to make good – uh, soccer games um, called Pro Evolution Soccer that were actually pretty good comparisons to FIFA. What if we just attach the FIFA name to those and uh, basically confuse the market for a couple of years? I don't think that's going to come together fast enough. I also don't think Konami's model is such that they want that right now. They want the free-to-play eFootball kind of thing, even though they fucked it up hugely the first time around. Um So it'll be interesting. And also for folks that don't know, the FIFA license basically gives EA the kind of the carte blanche to have kind of international team play. Like so like you would see in the World Cup or whatever. I believe that FIFA's attachment to thinking that 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 is providing the value is from literally 20 years ago when soccer was attempting to infiltrate markets outside of Europe, outside of South America, where – like North America, where a ton of money is, wasn't attached to club play in soccer because they didn't have like a meaningful club system like they do in Europe. So like FIFA was an entry point to get people to watch World Cup games and go, oh, this is soccer. This is interesting. Sure, I'll pick up this game because that's what I'm seeing. Now that it's 2022 and people in America have access to the fucking Champions League and all these other things that, that they know, that license is fucking meaningless. Like all they yeah. need are the club licenses for these big, 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 you know, uh, teams out in Europe and South America and in Asia. Like that's what people give a shit about in earnest. And so FIFA acting like that, this license is the, the thing driving value instead of just being synonymous with the, the actual fucking game, which EA could basically change at any moment. Anyway, I'm digressing, but it's like, this is so fucking funny to me that FIFA decided to keep their prices apparently super high uh, enough that EA was like, like, let's do the math on this and say no, because it's yeah. going to be easy for us to, to switch gears. You know that meme of like a guy like setting up dominoes with like a giant domino yes, at the end? Yes. Like this one is EA gets sued by uh, college football players. Yeah. And at the end, it's like EA realizes they don't have to deal with like the actual consortiums. Yeah. At yeah. the end of it, mm-hmm. they can just deal with the individual teams and get yep. all this done on their own. Yep. Yeah, because they're they're big enough. They've got enough, you know, enough people on those teams on biz dev teams and all that stuff to to make this stuff happen without um, the the huge conferences. So it's like, yeah. It's uh, it's it'll be interesting to see how it works out in the market. I, I I guess this is going to be the last year of a FIFA titled game. I cannot wait until I cannot wait to see how they market the last FIFA. Um, if if that'll be any different, if they're going to set the table for what comes next, it'll be interesting to see. 
If I were EA, I would put the EA Sports FC logo everywhere in that game. Mm, I would do. So, like, I don't know if he was going to let them, but, like, right. if if I were them and that's a thing they're legally had to do, yeah. I would make sure that thing is on every single menu. Yeah. So that people suddenly start like, oh, right, this is, this is basically just FIFA. At the very least, what I would do is, like, Six months into the shelf life of that game, start to start to patch in those logos, right? As yeah. I bet, I bet FIFA won't let them do it, but like, I bet, I bet six months, nine months in, it it won't be as big of an issue or something. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it is a bigger marketing challenge than EA is probably letting on, just because I do think it's been such a shorthand for what that game is for the past two decades. But I also agree that it's basically a functionally useless. Thing to have in the game so they could they could make do without it um i think as as a company ea is slowly starting to realize that like the last five or six years have been kind of like coasting for them yeah like they've yeah. been they've been coasting on ea sports and now they're trying to like finally start re figuring themselves out a little bit like their recent the investor call they're more or less relying on frank zampella for everything right like he is he's now the head of Battlefield and they they basically threw the old Battlefield leadership under the bus by saying thank we finally have good leadership there. So <laughs> yeah. like it's they're making a lot of bets that hopefully will pay off, but they're also putting a lot of chips on individual people that if these things don't pay off, if these people leave, then the whole house of cards falls down. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it works out. Like they they got a game of the year last year. That's that's not nothing. No, that's not nothing. That's true. Uh, all right, Imran, I'm going to let you go. Uh, I know you got to get ready for next week when you go on six other podcasts or game <laughs> shows and kill it for us. Um, uh, but yeah, I hope you have a hope you have a good uh, weekend coming up. You too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks again to Amron for helping dive into some of the big stories of the week. Let's do a little bit of cleanup on some stories we didn't talk about. Let's talk about Wordle. I don't think we've talked about Wordle except for when it sold to the New York Times. Um, When Josh Wordle, yes, his name is Josh Wordle, the person that made Wordle. It's that was on purpose. Um, uh, he, he basically made a database of all the puzzles and they're going to go in a certain order uh, for uh, up to five years, five, five plus years from now. So there are enough puzzles, thousands of them to uh, fill between now and five years from now. Uh, and when the New York Times bought them, they've they've skipped a few words. They've skipped slave, for example, and just moved to the next one in the database. Well, Monday's word was fetus. And this is something that folks that have looked at the da- database, like our guides writers, have known was coming for a while. And we were all kind of wondering if the New York Times would basically let this stand. Well, they didn't. At least halfway through the day, um, they decided to move it uh, to a different word and replace it with a, uh, a word from five years ahead in the database. So the New York Times decided to skip five years ahead and they explained their actions by saying essentially that they didn't want to politicize the game Wordle due to recent events. Those recent events, of course, being the stripping away of reproductive rights here in the United States. Uh, they just didn't want to you know, be, make Wordle this fun little daily word game a political thing, which, of course, they did even more so by changing the word and drawing attention to it instead of just sitting there and letting it be because it's a, it's a fucking word. 
that exists in the English language, five letters, and yes, it is politically charged now more than ever maybe, but it's always been politically charged because people in this country can't leave shit alone. Anyway, I don't necessarily want to get on a soapbox about this, although you should find your local abortion fund and donate. Anyway, I'm going to skip skip ahead a little bit. Uh, we were worried or wondering at least if the New York Times would stick with this database skip skipping five years ahead to September 2027, where there was only about another month of runway between that and the end of the database completely. So we were curious if the New York Times would get to the end of that month and then maybe randomize the words, come up with a new order of the database, something kind of wild that is less predictable. But instead, the day after, they just skipped back to a couple of days after the word fetus. So now we're back basically on schedule to go through the rest of the database. It'll be interesting to see if they look ahead because it appears that no one at the New York Times actually looks ahead at the database of puzzles, which you would assume that maybe they would, uh, especially if they have a problem with certain words that would come up and they have a couple times. So yeah, we'll see. And there are definitely some words that are remaining on this database of, you know, a couple thousand words that I think could trigger the same kind of quote political uh, political reaction from the New York Times. Um, the New York Times, by the way, they've reported that uh, the purchase of Wordle, which was for uh, a low seven figures, it's reported, um, since they purchased it, they've apparently brought in tens of millions of people into their ecosystem. And a lot of them have gone on to uh, purchase subscriptions to their other game service. So it sounds like uh, that investment has paid off handsomely for the New York Times. Uh, let's move on. Uh, so if you listened to 99 Potions this past week, uh, you heard Stephen Strom and I talk at length about Gotham Knights. Uh, and you can go listen to that conversation. It's a really, really good conversation about a game that looks interesting, although it's been uh, injected with a lot of kind of loot shoot uh, mechanics and uh, customization that I think might make this game a little more uh, finicky than other games in this lineage. Uh, Gotham Knights is, of course, a continuation of sorts of the Arkham games, a lot of the same gameplay. And it's the team that made Arkham Origins, not the team, not Rocksteady, that made Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. But Gotham Knights will put you in the seat of four heroes. It's Bat, uh, Batgirl. It's uh, Nightwing, it's Robin, and it's Red Hood. In, in the gameplay demo that we saw this week, we saw Nightwing and Red Hood, uh, Red Hood do some damage to some hackers, infiltrate a Court of Owls base, and some you know chases on a motorcycle and, and other things. And the game looks good. It's a pretty game. Uh, it looked so pretty that I had the thought as I was watching it, huh, how is this going to look on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One because it was supposed to come out on those platforms? Well, I have some news for folks that only have PS4s or Xbox Ones. It's no longer coming to that platform. And it is coming out toward the end of the year. I think it's in October of 2022. I think it's October 23rd, 2022. And it will no longer come to those consoles. Instead, it will only hit PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S and PC. Um, I still have uh, questions about this game. I have questions about the fact that it has four characters, but it's only two-player co-op. Uh, some of the combat looks a little strange and magnetic in a way that the older Arkham games don't. And uh, I don't know. I still don't really vibe with uh, 
with a lot of the non-lethal stuff. I mean, we saw Red Hood basically filling people with quote-unquote non-lethal rounds as we also saw Nightwing like kick a dude off a building. I know the Spider-Man game kind of waves, you know, hand waves that away by saying, okay, well, they basically stick to the wall until the cops come, but it's still, it's just very, very funny to me. Anyway, uh, we'll, I will have another few months to look at uh, other gameplay of this game before it comes out. We'll be able to check it out and see if these changes are uh, for the better uh, or if they're, you know, layering uh, too many too many systems on top of each other. Speaking of layering too many systems on top of each other, uh, if you want a really great retrospective of the Arkham series and how elements have been added to each subsequent entry that may or may not be actually doing the series uh, a service, uh, you, show, you should go check out our brand new intern, Charles Hart. One of his first pieces on the site is about that very thing. It's really great. Uh, and yeah, go, go give him some love. Tell him how much you like the article because it's, uh, it's not only a good take, but it's a well-written take. Late in the week, we got some Alan Wake news. We know that the rights to the TV show have been bought by AMC. We knew about the TV show quite a while ago, but that's cool. We also know that Alan Wake Remastered is coming to the Switch at some point in the future. Uh, We also got to see some concept art of Alan Wake 2. They're not going to show off more of the game until they're ready, but if you want to see that concept art and some other uh, details of their recent presentation, uh, you can go to fanbuy.com. We have a piece up right now uh, from Diego Arguello. Thank you, Diego, um, that, who wraps up a lot of what uh, Sam Lake and company uh, talked about on this little uh, video that they posted. So go check that out. Uh, very good news for Alan Wake fans. It seems like they're really leaning into their recent success by going back to a game that really put them on the map in a lot of ways. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Elden Ring, you heard of this game? A lot of people like it. Uh, we just had a Twitch series end recently that was super popular and uh, and fun to watch. That game has sold officially 13.4 million copies that is unbelievable. So that's really only through the first quarter. That's not counting April or half of May. That's just through the first quarter of the year. That is unbelievable. That's getting into like Call of Duty uh, territory. And that is pretty rare air for uh, a game, especially um, especially for FromSoft and Bandai, and Bandai Namco. They just don't have games that sell quite like this. Uh, and that is really amazing. So we can only expect that number to increase between now and the end of the year because this game is still uh, still has a lot of traction. We see search um, for this game still in a really, really healthy place. So people are still pouring hours and hours and hours into this game and they will for the rest of the year. And we can only expect it to increase when they inevitably announce some DLC for this game, which, of course, we're all very much looking forward to. Uh, a bunch of uh, uh, you know, stills from a rumored Silent Hill reboot uh, circulated at the end of this week. Uh, they have now been taken down by Konami, the copyright holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, uh, they were interesting screen caps. They kind of look reminded me a lot of uh, Resident Evil 7, honestly. Really grungy, grimy, hoarder-like home. But also uh, uh, a hallway filled with post-it notes uh, that all say mean things about presumably the protagonist and a very, very creepy figure at the end of the hallway. Um, it is rumored, of course, that Bloober 
the developer behind the medium layers of fear and some other games uh, are behind this new silent hill game uh and it, that would kind of check out because some of these screen caps are a little bit corny in a way that reminds me a lot of the bloober team just saying i mean if you like bloober that's cool but they can they, they're pretty corny Hey, you probably know someone that had a really busted reaction to this week's Roe versus Wade news, but um, Jim Ryan is throwing his uh, name in the hat for maybe the worst reaction of the week. Uh, PlayStation CEO sent out an e- email to everyone at PlayStation saying that, hey, you got to respect everyone's difference of opinion on this matter. Um, this is a, a complicated thing. Uh, everyone at Sony is, quote, multifaceted and diverse, holding many different points of view. He also said, quote, we owe it to each other and to PlayStation. PlayStation's millions of users to respect differences of opinion among everyone in our internal and external communities. Respect does not equal agreement, but it is fundamental to who we are as a company and as a valued global brand, in quote. Um, he also talked about his cats after that. He wants to get a dog. He kind of said, hey, here's this really complicated thing that is very, very serious. And then he basically spent a lot of time talking about a bunch of stuff that was not very serious at all. And I guess his thinking is that he can kind of diffuse the tension by talking about stuff that isn't important. But as many have pointed out, uh, including Janet Garcia over at Kind of Funny, uh, it's really convenient for people like Jim Ryan to just kind of turn this off and not act like it's an important thing and to say, well, hey, it's just a, a difference of opinion that we all have. Well, I don't really know if um, I would classify difference of opinion over someone's bodily autonomy as something that you can just uh, both sides the issue of, right? So. This was not a great email, and a lot of people were pretty mad about it. And of course, Bungie, which is a Sony-owned studio, released their own statement this week basically saying that they hugely support the access to abortion and reproductive rights here in this country and that they will do what they can to fight for maintaining it, which I thought was a brave and cool thing to do. And uh, Jim Ryan kind of did the opposite of that and did something I think was kind of cruel and stupid. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, A very late breaking uh, piece of information I can pass along. Um, This was posted uh, on uh, May 12th. So that was Thursday. I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon. It took folks about a day to realize that Activision Blizzard King had posted this to their official blog post. But they basically posted a thing about King's diversity space tool is what they're calling it. They're calling it a leap forward for inclusion in gaming. Uh, The blog post was written by Eric Alt, and this is an internal tool that Blizzard is using to basically measure the diversity of each individual character that they create. You should definitely go read our post about it. We also link to this blog post. It is an unbelievably strange thing to see uh, a basic scientific tool or whatever to uh, measure diversity. Uh, Imran Khan wrote a really, really, really great write-up of this thing, and he has a great line that I want to read to you. Um, uh, Imran says, I don't think this thing was created with malice, but it's a tech solution around a problem that already has a solution. Diversity and inclusion isn't a vending machine that you can keep popping effort tokens into until a badge that says, you can't yell at me anymore, pops out. It's a sustained process that requires people at all levels to listen to people that are trying to make themselves heard. 
I could not say that better myself. Thank you, Imran, for that eloquent uh, uh, roundup of uh, how a lot of us feel about this. Um, yeah, sure. Maybe internally you want to measure your overall success at creating diverse characters and putting them in the game. But doing it this way and kind of making a science out of it and also being proud of that science and pushing it out as if it's an accomplishment uh, really kind of distracts from overall the easiest and best thing we, which you can do. It's hire diverse people and listen to them at all levels, at the executive level, all the way down to entry level, hire diversely and actually let those people have a say in um, how these games get made. And I swear, I swear to God, you're not going to need these kind of internal tools and scientific measures to figure out how diverse your game is. It's just going to end up like that. It's not complicated. Uh, anyway, um, this is so fucking funny and weird and sad to look at and perceive. Uh, but if you want to go look at the whole thing, you can definitely check out our uh, blog post about it at fanbyte.com as well as the blog post over on Activision Blizzard's website, which at the moment is still up. I'm wondering if it's going to be taken down at some point over the weekend before this episode comes out, but we will see. Anyway, that's uh, that's really it for this week's news. Let's uh, get you ready for next week's release. Okay, now that we got some news out of the way, we can talk about games that are coming out this week. There's not much, to be totally honest, uh, but there are three games we should talk about, and then one that I've been... Uh, I've been playing already that I want to tell you about. Uh, all right, so let's start with Umurangi Generation, which is an excellent video game. It's out on a few platforms already, most notably PC, but it's coming to Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One on May 17th. If you haven't played it already, it's also out on Nintendo Switch. It is a photography game, a little sim. It is very, very interesting. I think you should play it. It was on a lot of folks' Game of the Year lists uh, in the past, and... Uh, uh, now is your chance to play it on Xbox. So very cool. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. First of all, I'm very, very interesting. I'm very, very interested to see how many uh, Vampire the Masquerade games are going to come out before Bloodlines 2. Uh, right now, of course, we have uh, the, the multiplayer game that's out on Steam right now. But this is a different one. This is Swan Song. It is basically a narrative based role playing game. Imagine it, it kind of strikes me like a Disco Elysium game. OK, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's probably where the comparisons end. doesn't look like the writing and the voice acting of this one uh, is comparable. Um, but if you're super into Vampire of the Masquerade, uh, this looks like an interesting game. Uh, it's coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch and a PC. That's on May 19th. So if you need your Vampire of the Masquerade fix and don't want to play a multiplayer battle royale game, Swan Song looks like the game to check out. And then finally, we have Dolman uh, coming to PC uh, on uh, May uh, May 20th. That's a, not only PC, it's PC, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X. It is an action game. It, uh, it looks pretty wild and wooly, and uh, it's coming out in a few days. Um, if you like, uh, by the way, if it, this, this game looks a little like a sci-fi Soulsy kind of thing. Um, 
and there have been a few of those. A lot of them are not super good, but Dolman looks pretty interesting. He's, he's got some Lovecraftian stuff if you're into that. Um, yeah, so check it out. Uh, I want to tell you about a game I've been playing on PC the past couple of days over on Steam. It's called 10 Minutes Till Dawn. And it's a lot like Vampire Survivors, except you're a little more active. It doesn't auto-shoot your main weapon. You have to shoot manually. Uh, use keyboard controls and the mouse to aim all around. Um, and as the title implies, you're supposed to uh, survive 10 minutes uh, during an onslaught. You collect a little experience pellets to level up your character you know the deal if you've played vampire survivors you get this but it's a little more active than vampire survivors it is free right now on steam and this is just a, a free sample of the full game which is called 20 minutes till dawn very funny uh that's not out yet uh and nor do i know what uh price it will be when it comes out but if you want to check out the overall gameplay loop uh you can play the free version 10 minutes till dawn over on steam right now yes it is just about as addictive as vampire survivors that's not great for my whole deal but i'm gonna i'm gonna dive into this anyway because it's pretty good uh so yeah check it out that is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank Imran again for not only just cleaning up house on other people's shows this week. You should definitely go listen to uh, Nintendo Voice Chat over at IGN, also Arcade Pit over at Giant Bomb. Both were better because Imran was there, uh, but they're also good shows from people that we like. I mean, that, that's important too, I guess. Uh, but thanks again, Imran, also for filling in some important gaps with those big news stories this week. You can follow Imran at Imran, Z-O-M-G, or Imran's Oh My God, as uh, Natalie Flores would say. Um, if you like Imran and you like me as well, we're also on a podcast called 99 Potions. It's an RPG podcast. It airs every single week. This past week, uh, Imran wasn't there because he was busy on Arcade Pit. But Steven and I, uh, Steven Strom and I talked about uh, all of the recent RPGs that we have been into. And it was a good episode, a long conversation uh, between two very gregarious, but you know what? I'm going to say it. Two charming people. Yeah, it's true. Um, if you like our other podcasts, you can find them all at podcastnet dot work and you know who produces those podcasts well one's jordan mallory shouts to jordan and the other is paul tamayo paul tamayo uh, produces this podcast and if you like paul you should follow paul at polymayo over on twitter Let's see, what can you find over at Paul's Twitter? Not only, you know, just interesting insight into games and things like that, but if you like racing, oh yeah, Paul's got you covered with racing. He's just got impeccable taste. Follow Paul over on Twitter. Thanks again for all your wonderful production work. Uh, if you like me, uh, you can find me at Floppy Adult on Twitter. And I also host a show every Tuesday morning over at twitch.tv slash called Tuesday Morning the, the Show. It's kind of a companion piece to this show. I like to kind of set the table for what you'll hear on this podcast every uh, Tuesday morning. Um, and you should come check it out sometime if you haven't. I know it's early. It's at 1030 a.m. Eastern, but it's worth it. It's a great way to start your day. And uh, I would definitely appreciate it if you uh, come came and hung, uh, hung out. Speaking of this show, the best thing you can do is tell people that you like it, uh, whether that's on social media, whether that's texting them. Hey, by the way, this this guy at Fanbyte does a news show that I, I like because it, it kind of rounds things up 
quickly and it's chill. I don't know. I don't know what's good about this show. And I, I don't, you know, it's like I rely on y'all for that. And you got to go review it. Got to rate it. It really helps us out a lot. I really mean that. Uh, so the more folks know about the show, uh, the more folks will be aware of how great it is. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, <laughs> if you want to uh, join our Discord, you can do so at uh, Discord. Nope. Fanbyte.casa. That is fanbyte.casa. It's a really great place to hang out. There is a thanks for the knowledge channel there. We can talk about news there. We can talk about the Tuesday morning stream. Um, I sometimes you know, ask for ideas and questions there. And it's just a wonderful discord overall. There's a pets channel. There's a food channel. What else could you want? Uh, all right. I think that's going to I think that does it. I think I hit all of the boxes. And uh, you know what? Until next week, you're welcome. Welcome.